1: Mike Pence won last night's debate by reverting back to the GOP playbook. Calmly delivered truths to a dishonest, unhinged Democrat. Ignoring the science, the debate commission announced that the next presidential matchup will be online so Joe Biden can read off his teleprompter. And a recently declassified memo from John Brennan in his own handwriting shows that the Russia hoax was coordinated out of the White House. With these stories and more from an American nationalist perspective, I'm Jim Dawes, and this is Right Now. And thank you for joining Right Now. We broadcast each weekday at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Mojo Five Zero radio network. You can catch us online on iHeartRadio or On Demand, wherever you get your podcasts. But this conversation never ends. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at right now Jim Dawes, or you can shoot me an email at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com or... Call or text the vent line and raise hell at 772-245-0750. So, the presidential debate last night, you know, uh, it was kind of a snoozer. I mean, it's quite clear that Mike Pence won the debate on substance and on style. Uh, Kamala Harris was deeply dishonest. Almost her whole presentation was based on... Uh, Democrat media complex narratives that have been spun up in the four years during the Donald Trump presidency. And um, and if you actually went in and fact-checked Kamala Harris, I would say 90% of, of what she said last night was a, a, an outright lie, a bold-faced lie. So Pence had a, a target-rich environment, we like to call it. He had plenty to go after, and he did a pretty good job. You know, he he pushed back, but he didn't didn't really punctuate it. Mike Pence is uh, a very understated person, to say the least. And when he could have called, uh, you know, things out for their outrageous dishonesty, he more or less just uh, pointed out the truth and said, well, you know, I'm not too sure that that's the truth or, you know, that's a little bit, dishonest. That's really not how you can um make your point in today's modern modern media environment. People have a very low attention span and a very um a filter that doesn't allow uh you know calmly presented truths to seep in. Trump was too equivocal in my opinion. I know a lot of people are celebrating Mike Pence's performance and it was I guess you know there is a segment of the Republican electorate that uh, will really take to this. Uh, they want to stay calm. They want to, uh, you know, they want to get back to um, to a normal, I guess you would say. But I don't think it's going to uh, really advance the ball down the field. I think it was so understated that uh, the the truth will not have. Um, have been impressed upon any undecided voters. At one point during the debate last night, a fly landed on Mike Pence's head and walked around for about two minutes. And, uh, boy, that was a, uh, a cringeworthy two minutes. I thought it was going to stay there for the rest of the debate because it's clear that Mike Pence wears a lot of uh, hairspray on his uh, hair helmet. And I thought it was going to get stuck in there, but it finally flew away. But that was the big takeaway on social media, of course, the fly on Penn's head. And I guess that's only fair because uh, we mocked Joe Biden when he was standing out in that field. And that, uh, that giant horsefly landed on his shoulder and walked around. You know, I was waiting. I was waiting for Kamala Harris to once again trot out this very fine people lie uh, a, a easily disprovable lie and I was waiting for Mike Pence to just slam it and to illustrate what I'm talking about when I'm talking about this understated manner of Mike Pence. Here is how he responded. Now he he does push back on it, but he really doesn't call it out for what it is is uh, just a massive destructive slander against the president.
2: You know, I think this is one of the things that uh, makes people dislike the media so much in this country, Susan is that you selectively edit, just like Senator Harris did, comments that President Trump and I and others on our side of the aisle make. Senator Harris conveniently omitted, after after the president made comments about people on either side of the debate over monuments, he condemned the KKK, neo-Nazis, and white supremacists, and has done so repeatedly. You're concerned that he doesn't condemn neo-Nazis. President Trump has Jewish grandchildren. His daughter and son-in-law are Jewish. This is a president who who respects and cherishes all of the American people. But you talk about having personally prosecuted. I'm glad you brought up your
1: record. So this is where Mike Pence takes off on our prosecutorial record. Again, he really didn't hit that as hard as I would have liked him to. I would have preferred that he just take Tulsi Gabbard's critique of Kamala Harris' prosecutor career and – And uh, say it verbatim, because it absolutely destroyed Kamala Harris's primary campaign. But on the fine people hoax, you know, that was an opportunity for Mike Pence to say, this is a disgusting and uh, calculated lie. This is the way the Democrats do business, and they can get away with this because they're enabled by their mouthpieces in the media, you ought to apologize. You ought to apologize to the American people for fomenting this lie, because it, uh, it it is contributing to the polarization in this country. And I just, you know, I'm just saying, I wish Mike Pence had had punched it harder. Here's where he takes off on Kamala's prosecutor record in California.
2: Senator. Thank you. But that's, I, I really need to make this point. When you were when you were DA in San Francisco, when you left office. African-Americans were 19 times more likely to be prosecuted for minor drug offenses than whites and Hispanics. When you were attorney general of California, you you increased the the disproportionate incarceration of blacks in California. You did nothing on criminal justice reform in California. You didn't lift a finger to pass the first step back on Capitol Hill. I mean, the reality is your record speaks for itself. President President Trump and I have fought. For criminal justice, for thank you, Vice President. And fought Pence. for educational choice and opportunities for African Americans. All of our military. thank you, sir. And we'll do it for form. Thank
1: you. And that kind of illustrates this- uh, Susan Page of USA Today's handling of the debate yesterday too. It was very one-sided. It's what we have come to expect. She formulated her questions as uh, thinly veiled accusations against the Trump and uh, Pence administration. She would put him on the spot, ask him to defend himself, and then she would turn to the Democrat, Kamala Harris, and say, well, you know, uh, here's your chance to rebut that. And then she would uh, try to go back to Pence for 15 seconds, and as soon as he would uh, try to, you know, correct the record, uh, she would uh, would immediately start trying to cut him off. The big issue that Susan Page opened up the debate about, of course, was the coronavirus, the Wuhan virus. And uh, she made, you know, several falsehoods in the framing of her question, claiming that, um, you know, the the virus was uh, back on the rise and we were, we were um, you know, back in the middle of the worst of the pandemic and linking that to the economy and saying that uh, the economy was also stumbling and looking like that it wasn't going to recover. Both of those things are provably false, but they They require Pence to take his time to correct the record before he can go on to contrast the Trump administration's response to this epidemic to uh, the Obama administration's performance during uh, during the swine flu. He did a pretty good job of that. Here's what it sounded like. Well, stand by. Here we go.
2: You know, the reality is when you talk about about failure in this administration, we actually do know what failure looks like in a pandemic. It was 2009. The swine flu arrived in the United States. Thankfully, it was ended up not being as lethal as the coronavirus. But before the end of the year, when Joe Biden was vice president of the United States, not seven and a half million people contracted the swine flu. 60 million Americans contracted the swine flu. If the swine flu had been as lethal as the coronavirus in 2009, when Joe Biden was vice president, we would have lost 2 million American lives. His own chief of staff, Ron Klain, would say last year that it was pure luck that they did, quote, everything possible wrong. And and we learned from that. They left the strategic national stockpile empty. They left uh, an empty and hollow plan, but we Thank still learn President from Pence. it. And I, I think Price the President American Pence people, I'm going to see again, can be proud President of, President, I'm sorry of what you're we have up. done. And, Senator, please you, stop undermining Pence. confidence in a vaccine.
1: So, Kamala Harris, as she did most tonight, spent most of that answer on the split screen, smirking and rolling her eyes and shaking her head. It was not a great look for her, but. Um, it, that's who she is. She is somebody who does not like to be confronted with the truth. And when she is, uh, she breaks out into this, uh, weird cackle. She kept the cackle under wraps last night, but uh, she did not keep their, um, uh, her facial expressions. You know, I would have liked, uh, for Mike Pence at that point to hit the point harder that at the beginning of this swine flu, the experts that the Democrats tell us that we must listen to said that the best case scenario on this, uh, this, uh, the, the deaths resulting from this pandemic would be between two and 400,000. That's exactly where we're at. That was the best case scenario. And the worst case scenario was 2 million, which, uh, which of course we are not even going to approach, but Susan Page, once again, pr- repeated this lie that the United States has more than uh, more deaths than any other developed nation, ignoring entirely uh, the percentage of deaths or the, uh, the per capita deaths. Yes, the United States is nearly as big as all of Europe. If you take all of Europe and compare it to the United States, then they've had more deaths. But we're the largest industrialized nation that's not communist and that you can get accurate information out of. And I know Mike Pence couldn't bring up the point that we we have incentivized a positive um, identification of a fatality in this by uh, paying hospitals $39,000 for each COVID death. And we did that at the same time the hospitals were uh, being required not to, uh, not to conduct normal business. We put the hospitals in dire financial straits and then incentivized them to, to classify everyone who died uh, with any trace of the virus as a COVID death in order to try to keep their head above water. One of the most effective things that Pence did last night, I think, was uh, tie uh, China Joe to his uh, long documented videotaped history of enabling and being a cheerleader for communist China. Susan Page tried to, um, you know, make that an issue of heightening tensions with China. And uh, shouldn't we cool that off? Uh, tried to allow Kamala Harris to say that, uh, you know, we need to go back to business as usual with China. But to his credit, Mike Pence wasn't having it. China
2: is to blame for the coronavirus. And President Trump is not happy about it. He's made that very clear, made it clear again today. China and the World Health Organization did not play straight with the American people. They did not let our personnel into China to get information on the coronavirus until the middle of February.
1: Once again, Mike Pence missed his mark there. The point is not to uh, talk about Chinese, um, you know, not being transparent. That is clear. The point you want to make there is they purposefully, purposefully deployed this virus. And we know that because they restricted travel from Wuhan to internally to other destinations in China, while at the same time, allowing hundreds of thousands of travelers to fly from Wuhan to uh, most especially the United States. Now, that is evidence of a, a malign conspiracy. We're going to run out to a break. We'll finish up on this when we come back. Stick with us.
3: have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva Paper Towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva Paper Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more.
1: So Mike Pence took us back to the traditional GOP strategy of calmly presented truth. I'm not sure that that is going to be uh, enough in this modern media age uh, to push back on all of the dozens of scores, hundreds of lies that uh, have been cultivated by the Democrat media. But, you know, he uh, is generally acknowledged as having won that debate. He um, he, he did call Accurately, Joe Biden, a cheerleader for China, he pointed out that the Obama Biden administration was tentative to the point of um, in, inaction when dealing with ISIS, and uh, and pointed out our success on uh, on defeating ISIS and um, and pushing back on Iran. She pointed out quite effectively that uh, by saying that he will cancel the ta- the uh, Trump tax cuts, that he will in fact raise taxes despite his uh, his. Obvious lies to the contrary. Called Biden a cheerleader for China. That's true. Here is, um, and uh, he, he, he once again put Kamala Harris on the spot, um, refusing to say that they would not pack the court. Of course, that's because they don't want to alienate uh, the Bernie bros and the left wing of the Democrat Party that uh, will do anything, no matter how destructive of this country. To, uh, to enact their radical agenda. Here's a clip where um, Pence is kind of putting all of the arguments uh, in, in one neat, one-minute soundbite.
2: But notably, America's hearts today are with the family of Kayla Mueller, her parents of which are here with us tonight in Salt Lake City. Today, two of the ISIS killers...
1: This is not the correct clip, and I apologize. Let's see if we can find it. Here we go.
2: No expense to help the American people and the American worker through this. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris want to raise taxes. They want to bury our economy under a $2 trillion Green New Deal, which you were one of the original co-sponsors of in the United States Senate. They want to abolish fossil fuels. And ban fracking, which would cost hundreds of thousands of American jobs all across the heartland. And Joe Biden wants to go back to the economic surrender to China, that when we took office, half of our international trade deficit was with China alone. And Joe Biden wants to repeal all of the tariffs that President Trump put into effect to fight for American jobs and American workers. Joe Biden says democracy's on the ballot. Make no mistake about it, Susan. The American economy, the American comeback is on the ballot with four more years of growth Thank you. and opportunity, Thank you, four President more years Trump. of President Donald Trump. 2021 Thank is you, going Vice to be President. the biggest economic year in the history of this country. Thank you, President.
1: So on the, uh, the downside, Pence did not have a coherent argument for pre-existing conditions and really whiffed on that. He should have come in there prepared with a Republican plan to make sure pre-existing conditions are covered of course that's the tough nut if you're not going to mandate everybody uh be in the uh the insurance pool then it's very difficult if not impossible to uh, cover pre-existing conditions but even uh even the the media had to acknowledge that uh, the Pence did a good job and um this is a uh, jake tapper on cnn uh pointing out that once again the Harris Biden ticket refused to answer the the question on court packing.
0: Harris wouldn't answer the question about the court packing, um, and and that's significant. And Biden and
1: Harris should answer it. Harris- uh, you think? Why isn't the media after the Biden campaign twenty four seven? That that is uh, you know a huge momentous decision. They're turning a blind eye to it. Over at ABC, uh, Sarah Fagan uh, appearing on their coverage, uh, pointed out that um, that Pence was very effective.
3: He was very strong on the economy. He really had Kamala Harris on the defense, specifically on the Green New Deal and the impact that would have on jobs and taxes. So I thought he did a great job. I think he did what he needed to do. So
1: maybe this is the return to you know, uh, trying to appeal to the low information voter and doing it in a way that doesn't cause them to tune out. Of course, as soon as Sarah Ferguson said that, um, miniature um, <laughs> whether a munchkin, um, George Stephanopoulos uh, tried to accuse Pence of being a sexist
4: that to you, because obviously Mike Pence, uh, his former television commentator, does have a very calm demeanor, but I think a lot of people were noticing some mansplaining going on tonight.
3: I don't know. I didn't see it that way, George. It didn't.
1: Mansplaining. He was mansplaining. So, you know, this is uh, this is kind of a tactic of the the left. Uh, They they defend uh, um, their protected groups while at the same time engaging in uh, blatant. Bigotry uh, toward groups that they uh, to toward Republicans. So we'll uh, we'll just we'll just wrap this up with a summary of from Frank Luntz of how his focus group uh, received this this uh, debate. Damn it, Jim! I think I got the wrong clip here again. Okay, let's set this one up. This is a California voter who was a, a, a Biden voter uh, calling in to C-SPAN to dis- express her disappointment.
3: Hi, my name is Ann and I'm calling from Huntington Beach, California. And um, I have been uh, supporting uh, Biden and Harris up until this point, and I was quite honestly rather disappointed with her performance tonight because I have seen her state things that she supported the green new deal and that she has stated that she would ban fracking. And I was disappointed that she didn't stand up for those issues tonight when she was confronted with those issues that were questioned of her.
1: Yeah. The, the left is uh, going to start getting pretty queasy. The far left because they refuse to defend the green new deal. They're trying to hide their opposition to fracking. They won't commit to packing the court. They're trying to run away from all of the positions that they took during the primaries. Here's this clip from Frank Luntz talking about how his focus group reacted to this debate.
4: Swing voters, undecided voters from eight different undecided states, and they gave us three conclusions, and and Brett will show it on your show tomorrow. But the complaint about Eliza- about uh, Kamala Harris was that she was abrasive and condescending. The complaint about Mike Pence was that he was too tired. But vice presidential or presidential, if this is a battle over style and substance, which is often the case with undecided voters because they simply do not choose on policy, they also choose on persona. This was Mike Pence's night. I want to emphasize: it's not that Pence did so well; it's that they felt, because they they felt that both candidates were not answering the questions as well as they would have liked. They thought that that uh, Kamala made a greater effort to take down Donald Trump and the Trump-Pence administration, whereas Mike Pence did a better job in explaining what the Pence administration, what the Trump-Pence administration had done. And third is that they were more upset with Kamala Harris's reactions to Pence, the smiling, the smirking, the scowling. They were angry.
1: The eye rolls, the tis- tisking. We'll see how this comes out if it moves the needle at all. I'm not convinced it will. We gotta run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 50 Radio Network.
3: Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five.
1: And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5-0 Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. So I'm not trying to be too hard on Mike Pence. He came in there with a big job, and he mostly succeeded. I think he should have hit the the marks much harder when uh, Kamala Harris had the nerve to repeat the... The fine people lie. He should have uh, demanded an apology and pointed out that Biden and Harris are purposely poisoning race relations in this country. But Mike Pence, uh, you know, he, he doesn't operate that way, and I guess that's about as good as he' gonna he's gonna do. Here's uh, here's an example of what I'm talking about. Mike Pence is calling out uh, the fact that the Biden plan on the pandemic is just a rehashing of what the Trump administration has already done, and see if you don't think that he couldn't have made this point more forcefully.
2: The reality is, when you look at the Biden plan, it reads an awful lot, like what President Trump and I and our task force have been doing every step of the way. I mean, quite frankly, uh, when I look at their plan that talks about advancing testing, creating new PPE, developing a vaccine, um, it looks a little bit like plagiarism. Which is something Joe Biden knows a little bit about.
1: A little bit about plagiarism, something Joe Biden knows a little bit about. So that that's the natural tendency of this type of Republican. You know, I'm not sure I agree with you is uh, the type of statement they make. Instead of making a declarative statement and po- pointing out dishonesty, they, uh, they politely, as they can, uh, try to correct the record. I'm not sure that's going to work. So we now know that uh, the the debate commission who has somehow captured control of these debates uh, to use them to forward the Democrat media complex line has canceled. I shouldn't say canceled. They have moved the next uh, Trump Biden debate onto zoom. It's going to be online, a virtual. Now there's no scientific uh, defense of doing this. The president will be virus free by that point. As a matter of fact, he will be, uh, he will have antibodies and he will be the least of anybody's uh, concern for uh, uh, contagion. But, you know, uh, they got what they could out of Biden during the first debate. That's about as good as it's going to get for Joe Biden with Mike Wallace sitting there running interference for Joe Biden the whole night. And trying to characterize uh, Trump as having been, you know, the, uh, the, the disruptor and the rude participant in that debate. When, in fact, it was Joe Biden who told the president to shut up, called him a clown, called him a racist, uh, you know, just very, uh, very unhinged but they're going to move this next debate online. Uh, you think that Joe Biden might use a teleprompter from his basement in Delaware? <laughs> I think you can count on that. They're going to have control over the uh uh the microphones so that, you know, Trump won't be able to challenge him in real time. And they'll they'll toss him softballs the next debate moderator is a former intern for Joe Biden. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he'll, he'll toss some softballs and setups and they'll turn Trump's mic off. And then Biden will be able to read his pre-prepared lines off of a teleprompter. Now, you know, I don't know if they'll provide him with the questions. I have no doubt that they might, but. He's going to have somebody operating that teleprompter that's got a, 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 you know, a list of questions and his canned responses. And he's going to pop those up on the screen and Joe Biden's going to read them. Derek Chauvin out in Minneapolis made bail yesterday, $1 million that required him to put up $100,000. I'm surprised it took him that long to raise this. I think it's probably the case that they couldn't find many bondsmen that were willing to, to go on the hook for a a 10% of $1 million bond. And uh, I said yesterday, I wouldn't blame Derek Chauvin if he skipped, if he didn't take it to Belize or some other country that does not have an extradition treaty with the United States. This man has been so vilified, so dishonestly covered. Again, last night in the debate, Kamala Harris said that uh, that he... Choked um, George Floyd to death. <laughs> he was kneeling on the back of his neck as he had been trained to do to restrain somebody. He was trained to do that in the Minneapolis Police Academy because George Floyd was uh, was spitting and and um, you know threatening threatening to uh, infect people. George Floyd was a 250-pound, 6-foot, 3-inch man. There's no way in hell you can choke somebody by putting the, your knee on the back of their neck. George Floyd was was complaining of difficulty breathing uh, from the very moment that the police approached him. And that was because he had ingested, some say uh, rectally, a large amount of, of fentanyl. I think George Floyd likely would have died if he had never even been approached by the police. But the bigger point is, there's no way in hell at this point that Derek Chauvin can get a fair trial. He has been absolutely already convicted in the court of public opinion on national news and to his very great shame by this president himself. Saying that he was, uh, that George Floyd was murdered and that Derek Chauvin murdered him. There's nowhere In this country that Derek Chauvin, after this level of coverage and the riots that the left unleashed, can ever get a fair trial. So he's got uh, until March for his next court appearance. And uh, I uh, wouldn't blame him the the least little bit if he uh, if he didn't take it on the lamb. In a related story, white supremacists once again rioted last night, this time in Milwaukee, I guess I should say again in Milwaukee. We know that these are the white supremacists that are rioting because that's what the media and the Democrats have been telling us. Of course, when you look at the video from Milwaukee last night, uh, these white supremacists have very skillfully disguised themselves as black people. And this is in response uh, to a grand jury in Milwaukee County, I guess it is, uh, refusing to indict a Milwaukee city police officer for defending himself and shooting a black suspect. Now, the police officer himself was black. And there is no doubt the specifics of this situation shows that he was justified in this shooting but that doesn't matter anymore anytime this is this has been established now anytime a black suspect is killed then uh then the black lives matter movement incites a riot and they move out in the streets last night they were looting once again but they engaged in a tactic that i don't think is going to play too well in the upcoming election and that is a uh, they started a attacking white neighborhoods because they're white, of course. They moved in in big numbers. They were breaking windows. They were standing in people's yards making threats. And this uh, this latest riot has gotten very little attention. You're going to see less and less coverage of these riots as the uh, election gets closer and closer. And when they do cover them, they will say they were mostly peaceful. Because... <laughs> Yeah, I'm mostly cancer-free. I'm, I mostly. um, They're mostly peaceful protests. So, the uh, director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, of course, declassified and released a handwritten memo from John Brennan. I put off coverage of this yesterday because I thought the DOJ was going to uh, have more to say about it at 11, but uh, that was, uh, that was uh, not what they announced. Uh, but the, we found this handwritten memo from John Brennan talking about intercepts of Russian intelligence agencies who had learned that Hillary Clinton was going to use allegations of Russian collusion against Donald Trump to try to to distract from her email scandal, her email server scandal, where she was uh, trafficking in highly classified State Department communications on a private email server. Of course, the reason she did that is because she was also engaged in her grift with the Clinton Foundation, and she didn't want that covered. That's what happened to those 33,000 emails. Here's Molly Hemingway appearing on Fox talking about this Clinton scheme.
3: This is saying is that Russia believed that she had personally authorized this plan on July 26 or so uh, before it, of 2016 and that U.S. intelligence officials took it so seriously that Russians believed this. They further believed that this was done to distract from her own scandal. They briefed President Obama about it. Early on in this, you know, in 2016, and so he knew that this was part of her, uh, what what she was trying to do. Everything we found out about this story in recent years has pointed in one direction, that intelligence agencies didn't really handle this very well. Uh, And yet nobody seems to be held accountable except for that one Mueller attorney who falsified evidence to spy on the Trump team. So we're getting all this information, but it seems like a lot of people are getting away with some seriously bad activity.
1: Didn't handle it very well. There's the understatement of the century. What they did when they learned this is John Brennan immediately put together a, uh, a task force that started meeting at uh, Langley of all of the uh, the co-conspirators in this matter, and they started ginning up um, bogus information in order to support Hillary Clinton's narrative on this. Here is Byron York uh, pointing out that uh, this is uh, the smoking gun that in fact Obama knew and uh, supported Hillary Clinton's uh, smear of Donald Trump.
2: It does address perhaps the biggest mystery of the whole Trump-Russia matter, which is we knew the Obama administration, intelligence and law enforcement agencies were targeting the Trump campaign in the last three months of the campaign and after that during the transition. We've never known exactly what Barack Obama knew about it and to what degree he approved of it. This doesn't tell us that, but it gives us another example of a briefing from the then CIA director.
1: Well, I think it does. Well, that memo doesn't tell us that, but when you combine that memo with John Brennan's actual actions and the actions of Obama and Biden, we do know that what they did was deploy the intelligence and law enforcement agencies in support of Hillary Clinton's scheme to accuse Trump of collusion. Here's Tom Cotton saying it a, a bit more forcefully.
4: I think you have to assume that Joe
1: Biden knew and was in on this from the very beginning. I understand that John Brennan is upset
3: over being exposed, but his handwritten notes from the summer of 2016 really confirm what common sense has told us all along. The only candidate and the only campaign
1: to use foreign disinformation in 2016 was Hillary Clinton. Yep, the collusion, the Russian collusion was not on behalf of the Trump campaign. It was the Hillary Clinton campaign authorized by her personally that spent millions of dollars to hire a, a foreign intelligence agency agent, Christopher Steele, to uh, go trolling around for Russian disinformation. And he found it because the Russians were in on it. And then they deployed that into uh, the election cycle and spent the first three years of the Trump presidency uh, uh, beating, uh, promoting that lie, while at the same time turning a blind eye to Hillary Clinton. Robert Mueller never even attempted to interview Julian Assange. Robert Mueller never took a look at the circumstances surrounding the assassination of Seth Rich. Robert Mueller never tried to get his hands on those 33,000 deleted emails, which are sitting on an NSA server somewhere. Robert Mueller was part of a cover-up operation to try to protect the FBI and the CIA from revelations of their wrongdoing. And now the president is telling us that he's ordered... John Ratcliffe to declassify without redactions all of the information related to this. I don't think it's going to happen. And one of the reasons it's not going to happen is because uh, disgraced former FBI and CIA officials that have been forced out or fled their government jobs are threatening that if you release this stuff on me, I've got plenty of stuff I'm going to release on you. And most specifically, They're going to release uh, data off of Anthony Weiner's laptop. They're going to expose members of the Obama administration and the Clinton inner circle. They're going to take everyone down with them if their wrongdoing in this matter is exposed. We're going to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back.
3: Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more.
1: So producer Ron has got this open mic contest going on on Sundays, and uh, we're promoting the new shows, uh, the best of which is going to be added to the Mojo 5 radio lineup. Uh, the one that I uh, am enjoying listening to is uh, Room 13 by Rocky and the Fish. One of the big features of that show are corny jokes that the River Fish specializes in. And here's an example of what you'll hear when you tune in on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern.
0: Jim, it's the Mojo River Fish, and I just want to share some information with your good-looking and smart listeners. I just got myself a new
4: stick of deodorant and
0: nice. I read the directions. It said, push up bottom. I don't know. It's, it's, it's making, uh, making walking a little difficult, but uh, every time I fart, it smells beautiful hey room 13 one o'clock on sundays on mojo50.com man it might be funny it might
1: be it might be (laughs) maybe not but it might be so tune in on sundays uh to room 13 at 1 p.m eastern right here on the mojo 50 radio network and uh maybe the jokes will get better Sean Davis from the federalist has been doing the, the best work on exposing. Well, not just Sean Davis, but Molly Hemingway and the, uh, the rest of the crew over at the federalist have sort of filled the void, uh, the gaping chasm that's been left by the, the media. They, they wanted to talk about the Russia collusion hoax. They won Pulitzer prizes based on the Russia collusion hoax. Well, now that the truth is coming out, they don't want to talk about it anymore. Of course. So if you, you want, uh, To see where this ends, you have to go to alternate media. And here's Sean Davis. I think he's appearing on Tucker's show.
3: And the problem is that if if nobody is made to pay for this, if nobody goes to prison, it's going to happen again. And when it happens again, it will be far worse, even though that may be hard to imagine. Exactly. Far worse than what they did in 2016, which itself was criminal.
1: Yeah, if, if the American people tolerate this, and it looks like they very well may then this will be the the new um, go-to tactic for incumbent administrations to try to hold on to power. If this had happened in any other time, if the left wasn't suffering from Trump derangement syndrome, we'd be having something like the Church Commission and reforming the FBI and the CIA, make, uh, providing more oversight. Richard Nixon did one tiny fraction of what the Democrats have done in this election. He was chased from the White House. But now that the Democrats are doing it, of course, the double standard comes into play. Here's Sidney Powell talking about this issue.
2: They knew exactly what was going on. They took full advantage of it. They did nothing to investigate the Clinton campaign for its wrongdoing. And instead, they signed on to promote the false hoax against President Trump and General Flint. Their conduct was a criminal fraud on the American people writ large and specifically against the president and General Flynn and others
1: around them. Where's the outrage? There is no outrage from the media because it's their guys that are doing this and they're all for it. As a matter of fact, it was quite clear very early in this whole scandal, hoax, This is exactly what happened, but the Democrats uh, and their mouthpieces in the media got all on board. John Brennan was not happy to see that his handwritten notes exposing his wrongdoing were released. And he ran over to Jake Tapper at CNN to defend himself. Now, if, in fact, what the Russians were alleging that Hillary was trying to highlight the reported uh, connections between Trump and the Russians, if, in fact, that was accurate, and that's a big if. There's nothing at all illegal about that. So John Radcliffe and others are trying to portray this potentially unlawful activity that
4: deserved follow-up investigation by the FBI. No, it was a campaign activity.
1: Oh, it was a campaign activity. So there's nothing illegal about it. Interesting. So now that it's... John Brennan and Hillary Clinton and James Comey and Jim Clapper on the hot seat having to explain their actions. Well, it's not illegal, they say. I thought Russian interference in our election was a existential threat. Oh, it's just a campaign, says John Brennan. It's not illegal. Oh, My God, this is the buffoon that was director of the Central Intelligence Agency in the United States, a committed leftist, an apologist for radical Islam, admitting that he knew that the Clinton campaign was engaged in, in, uh, uh, injecting foreign disinformation into our election and his answer is, well that's not illegal tom cotton he said uh, this is no going nowhere because of course the media is going to run interference for for uh, obama and biden
2: so it's not surprising that the media wing of the Democratic Party is in overdrive to protect Joe Biden uh, in a partisan cocoon over these last four weeks of the campaign. They've been waging nonstop political battle against the president for five years, and they're not going to let up in the final four weeks of the campaign.
1: No, they're not going to let up in the final four weeks of the campaign, and they're certainly not going to give any serious coverage of the uh, of of the truth of the Russia hoax now. Most people in this country will go about their lives believing that that somehow Donald Trump colluded with Russia when in fact just the opposite is true. It was the Clinton campaign directed by Hillary Clinton herself. And the deep state is in overdrive with their disinformation, psychological warfare operations. Tom Hayden, former head of the National Security Agency, who is Monitoring the communications of all Americans. Also, former head at the CIA. He is uh, rallying to the defense of the deep state.
2: I absolutely disagree with some of Biden's policies, but that's not important.
4: What's important is the United States, and I'm supporting Joe Biden. Biden is a good man. Donald Trump is not.
1: Why do they always talk like this when they're trying to defend the indefensible? We saw Michelle Obama earlier this week talk to the American people and say you're all racists and I'm a poor oppressed minority speaking to you for my $12 million oceanfront estate. That's how Obama does it, so I guess they think that that's how they should do it, too. I wonder if uh, people are starting to realize how NBC News and CNN are manipulating these polls to try to uh, discourage Trump voters and and, uh, encourage Biden voters. NBC released this bogus poll where they, they... Uh, They sample a whole bunch of people, then they pick out the self-identified Democrats and they weight their opinions higher in the polls and in fact exist. NBC was uh, attacked pretty hard for it. So CNN turned around and did their own poll using the exact same methodology. And lo and behold, Biden is winning by even more than NBC News said. I mean, do you? Do people like it when these news outlets use polls to try to advance a falsehood? I kind of doubt it, but we're going to see. Here's this clip uh, from NBC News, their one-hour-long infomercial for Joe Biden where they represented people in the audience as undecided after those very same people had appeared on an MSNBC segment saying they were voting for Biden.
3: Welcome back. Welcome back, Miami. And the town hall meeting with former Vice President Joe Biden taking questions of undecided voters. Peter Gonzalez has next question. Uh,
2: welcome to Miami, Mr. Vice President. Um, I was born in Harper, Connecticut, and I've been living in Coral Gables for the last 20-plus years. We get four more years of Trump. Good luck. And good luck with the future attracting...
1: I'm playing this clip again because I didn't do a really good job uh, last time I played it of setting it up. So this guy, uh, Peter Gonzalez, identifies himself at the town hall meeting as undecided, and uh, then we go go to a clip from MSNBC with that very same Peter Gonzalez saying something quite different.
2: Been living in Coral Gables for the last 20 plus years. We get four more years of Trump. Good luck, and good luck with the future attracting younger voters. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there was Chiron's at the bottom of the screen during Lester Holt's infomercial saying that this guy was undecided. Here's another example.
3: This uh-huh. Iliano, who Hillary Clinton four years ago but has voted Republican in the past. What's your question for Mr. Biden? Hi, Mr. Vice President.
1: Things, uh, you know- okay, here's the same guy on MSNBC.
0: That, that, that Joe Biden said during his speech that resonated with me was you know, what defines America as possibility.
3: Mayor Mateo Gomez joins us now. Uh, first-time voter came to the U.S. from Columbia at age two. Welcome. Spent a lot of time in Colombia. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Lester, for the introduction.
2: After watching the debate, Mateo Gomez told us he really didn't feel like he got a whole lot out of it, and it really did not do a lot to help him.
3: If you had to pull the trigger and vote for someone tomorrow, how would you vote?
0: Probably Biden, in the sense. It would be, one, because... Just how unpresidential the whole entire debate was.
1: <laughs> Undecided. So we uh, we now know that uh, the debate commission is going to uh, restructure the rules in order to tie Donald Trump down, and uh, and allow Joe Biden to tell as many lies as he wants. Of course, Joe Biden has been prepping the ground for this.
2: Like I was tested today again and, and negative.
4: I don't know what uh, exactly what the rules are going to be. I don't know what his status is i think if he still has covid we shouldn't have a debate
1: oh we shouldn't have a debate that takes us to the end of this edition right now i want to thank you as always for joining us and i hope you'll come back here again tomorrow right here on the mojo 5 radio network we'll talk to you then